To make it in cannabis, first you must dare to. Twelve years ago, MJ BizCon dared to unite the global cannabis community, igniting a movement that continues to thrive. So let's grow together this November 28th through December 1st in Las Vegas. You'll hear incredible stories, see groundbreaking innovations, and forge connections you need to thrive in 2024. But wait, snag your ticket to MJ BizCon in October. And you are eligible for the 31 days of giveaways and promotion going on right now. So hurry, get your ticket today. And here's a secret. Podcast listeners get 10% off with promo code 23POD10. That's 23POD10. Don't miss out. Get your ticket at mjbizcon.com. That's mjbizcon.com. You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Have you ever had a health issue that just kept getting worse and doctors couldn't help you, so you began experimenting on yourself to see what works? It's basically trial and error, and for some who are willing to go the extra mile to improve their ailing health, you discover cannabis. For many, it's a eureka moment. And joining us today to talk about his health journey and what the use of cannabis has done for him is Troy Gardner of Los Angeles, California. Troy, good of you to do this. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Now, let's go back to the beginning of your health journey and take us through some of the issues you were experiencing. Okay, so there's a lot of chapters, but I'm going to focus just on mine. Um, To rewind, I'm a former technologist, a CTO, and a senior engineer, so I have a lot of mechanical capabilities. And in my years as a consultant, I was traveling around, and like so many of us, you're spending time in stressful environments, you're going from city to city, and as we're globally connected, this is forming a network like a living organism, which is transferring bacteria, yeasts, funguses, and molds. You live in old buildings that collect in these places. And I have the special joy of having a defective inner ear valve which means that you know that when you yawn, there's that thing that pops. Mm-hmm. Mine has it tends to stay open, which combined with being in all these environments, picking up all these bugs, and then sleeping on my left side, acted as an incubator, essentially, between the warm pillow and a starchy, sugary diet from all this stressful work. So over 10 years, I was picking up all these bugs from all my travels and consulting opportunities and breeding them into a superbug. Um, that nearly took my life. The complicated thing about this is we don't realize how we have all these illusions of safety that you go to this big fancy building. Like I'm in the middle of Los Angeles, which is one of the you know, fancier cities in the United States and the fancier cities in the world. And you go to these big, massive, sprawling complexes of medical stuff with this big, fancy doctor. And the sad truth is that within one hour of doing some internet research, I knew more than he did with a degree in this area. So I was more qualified to treat my own condition than he was. And knowing how they operate, they're not necessarily held accountable to actually fixing people. And 
more importantly, like McDonald's, they don't have options. You can't order organic salad when you go to McDonald's. It's just not an option. So if you're only eating at McDonald's, you'll never get healthier. If your life depends on making the right decisions and those decisions aren't on the menu, you have a, a difficult choice of being taken that in your own hands and being you know, figuring out what those are. So once I realized that he prescribing me or was suggesting that I do was never going to work, just simple symptom management stuff, not actually fixing the infection. And they weren't even willing to talk about the nature of the infection being partly fungal in nature. Um, I had to do a lot of uh, self-experimentation, which you mentioned before, is trial and error, trying to figure stuff out. And that infection was stealthy. We don't have nerves inside of our sinus tissues, and we don't brush our sinuses like we do our teeth or flossing in most cases. So like in the deep inner ear, it never is cleaned out. We don't have ways of reaching those typically. And that is an undiagnosed source of these pathogens and toxins that poison your entire body. Imagine that your mercury fillings are leaking mercury all over the place, which is common in, in the dental stuff. Well, this is the equivalent of that in your sinuses. And when you sleep, these are living creatures who are out to kill you. They don't think they're not doing it. It's not personal, but they look at your body as this giant smorgasbord of because you're eating all the sugar and the starch, and it's nice and warm, and that they're protected from the environment. They breed and they and they they spread, and it's not even just one infection. You can have multiple bacteria and multiple funguses and multiple yeasts and multiple molds, and they work together like we do in cities. They call biofilms. And if you ever had your teeth cleaned. If you have that rough feeling after you get your teeth cleaned, that mm -hmm. slick feeling is the biofilm. It's the city of these critters working together. And most of our body is actually made up of good biotics, probiotics. Well, there's also negative biotics, which are working against us. They don't play nicely with us. And unfortunately, there's two things. Imagine like a, uh, a vampire. Uh, they have fangs, and they suck the life out of you. So your body... Once it realizes it's under attack, but it can't reach this stuff, we only have a couple defenses in our sinuses that actually allow us to clear out the sinuses. One of them is blowing our nose, and the one is not. And when your nose is runny, these things are like using that as a surfboard, going, hey, it's party time. Let's let's run down to the throat. Let's run down the into the stomach. Well, the stomach can destroy it, but is it starts wearing down your tissues, it's eating into your tissues, actually destroying your self-defenses, it starts reaching the bloodstream. And then it starts destroying everything else. Your body knows it's under attack because it can sense the chemicals in your bloodstream. At that point, it diverts all its healing energy into fighting off the poisons and trying to corral what poisons it has. Like if you've ever gotten a spider bite, you'll notice that it creates a cyst-like environment around it. That's to constrain the poison because it cannot metabolize the poison without hurting itself. If you have your whole body doing this, you basically turn instant old. Adhesions start forming. Adhesions turn into scars. And in my case, uh, it was diagnosed, well, your tissue gets more brittle because it's not healing. And in my case, I was working out thinking like, oh, I can't tell it's a sinus infection. I'm going to improve my diet, work out better. You know, one time I'm doing a, a chin-up and then I heard this pop in my neck that my neck started locking up on the left side and then on the right side and then the front starts collecting for the, the back and the front and I'm out for a month. What, and that's what, what was that, Troy? What's that? What was the popping? What, what, what caused that? It was a muscle snapped. A muscle, I mean, a muscle towards the ligament basically just tore. And um, when you have a neck injury, your body 
reacts by acting like a creating its own internal cast by immobilizing it so that it can actually heal. Um, you're not, you can't heal. Like imagine shoelaces. In order to, uh, your body tightens up the shoelaces so the tear, like the two halves of your shoes, can get together and it can seam them together. That's what happens in in the process. It can't operate on those muscle tissues when they're too far apart. So it uh, introduces like immobilization agents and your behavior of pain to keep you from moving it. That's the foundation of what there. So I was immobilized from having this neck injury. I can't move. I'm sitting on a bed for basically a couple of weeks. And that's when I started getting into cannabis to help me deal with the pain and also figure out what the hell I can do. Yeah. <laughs> because, it's, yeah, I mean, I've already gone to the doctors for the sinus infection. They're like, oh, did you, here's this thing. Just take this. And like, I know it's not going to work. Um, and that begins a long journey up and out of that. So when you started taking cannabis, were you smoking it or were you taking oil? No. Um, I've, I'm taking oil. Um, my first inclin- I mean, introduction to cannabis was, well, for medically purposes, was RSO, uh, which was a pain in the butt to get. Uh, and I've never been into smoking. I was scarred as a kid. <laughs> in my kindergartner class, they brought in this like smoker's lungs preserved that was black from all the smoking they did. Oh, and yeah. It- horrific <laughs> so it's like i'm never touching smoking but the rso really helped the problem with rso was really hard to dose so diluting it with coconut oil was the first step down the path of actually mastering it it's like i've overdosed a couple times or not overdosed but you know when you just have a, a really too much of the cannabis and it just you know knocks you on your butt mm-hmm. and that was actually helpful because <laughs> at times it didn't want to exist like you're you know between the sinus and the neck it's like a noose you have a noose on the inside of your throat and a noose on the outside of your throat making it very difficult to breathe. And the only way you can really get through it is by um, like this deep Zen-like meditation state, just focusing on what breathing you can do and trying to avoid the anxiety attack because your body thinks it's, it's being choked. So the cannabis was instrumental in like me being able to um, get through that difficult. And this is months of this. There's times I'm just sitting there on the ground. So, Troy, this was a high THC oil then? It, it was. This is a problem I hate about some of the stuff it's like you get this tube of rso oil it's got a strain which may or may not be the strain on top of it it was supposed to be thc or it balances thc and cbd but you're really not they don't test this stuff in a way that you can be 100 sure or it's just a label on top of it you don't even know what you're getting, getting. Out of strain. yeah so i had no idea whether it was thc and cbd so eventually my next step on that journey was they do make cbd oil um, from you can get it was on Etsy. I think they cl- they closed a lot of the shops down, but you can get CBD only oil. And I started blending it to figure out what ratio of the THC and the CBD was the best for the symptoms without triggering it. Because like I'd get these muscle spasms when I took too much of the CBD. I mean, too much of the THC. So I was trying to figure out where that optimal ratio is. And it's about one to one for most people um, in general. So I just sort of kind of shot for it. And I felt like immediately my ability to use cannabis productively shoot up. I could take it more often without the side effects that were negative and maintain the symptoms under control that I needed to, to be productive. Like, and you can't operate when you have a, a noose around your neck. No. Troy, pri- I'm sorry. Pri- prior to taking the cannabis oil, how would you describe your state of health? At the worst, I was close to death, actually, um, because the infection had spread to my gums, to my teeth, because I'm just sitting down on the ground. Uh, the nausea was gotten to a point that I wasn't eating. I had dropped from 165 down, pounds down to 140 pounds. I had constant migraines. I couldn't work, couldn't sleep, couldn't play, couldn't rest. Um, I'm alone in my room, staring at the ceiling, 
the lowest point before things started turning around. I'm sitting there staring at the ceiling, looking at my heartbeat go slower, realizing that uh, this is it. <laughs> There's no more, more. I can't go any farther. It's either this or death. I mean, I have to get up and do something. What I've been doing isn't working. Um, even the cannabis myself, the doctors aren't working. The treatments I've tried aren't working. I'm missing stuff. Everything I could found on the internet, everything I found on uh, books and stuff about the infections, like the, all the superficial things like neti pots and essential oils and inhalers, and none of them were, were making more of a, a minor dent in the problem. So that was the worst part. And then cannabis did not help me beyond getting through that at that stage, but it helped me beyond that to, to push through it and get inspiration and uh, start delving deeper into myself to develop what I call pain dar, like pain insight. Um, you're scanning your body like a radar. Where is, where is it hurting? And then being able to see that pain and be able to attack that pain and then push through it, which solves it. It sounds to me like, uh, from what you've just described, that you're, you're laying there and you think, my God, this is it. Uh, I'm, I'm slowly dying. You start to take cannabis, but cannabis didn't cure you completely. But what no, it, what it did, it, it, it kind of revived you. It gave you some life force back. Not quite. Um, there's different levels of cannabis use. And when I first started in the stress of RSO, that was after the, I mean, the neck injury and the sinus infection happened a couple months before that lowest point. So I was actively on cannabis, just existing trying to wait for the neck to heal. But the neck wouldn't heal because it was blocked by this stealth infection. That was the part I didn't realize. So in order to start, and meanwhile, so I still have this constant neck noose inside of me and the sinus, you know, uh, snot, what I call snot noose, just this mucus running down in the throat on the inside. And I'm also like, your metabolism is trashed. You're like 140 pounds. Um, I look like a, a Nazi war camp victim. <laughs> you know, your, your ribs are sticking out. You have no ability to, you know, you're, you're having a hard time even moving around. The adhesions across the body from like my thumbs, from all this, uh, the typing I've done in computer stuff, making it even hard to even use both hands for like things opening up. I mean, <laughs> one point in time around that period, I'm staring at a can with only one hand I can use. I'm hungry. Because I haven't eaten for 16 hours, I can't even open up the soup can because my hand, one of my hands is, how do you open up a can with one hand? So you like, you start like that level of misery and you're not able to even think through it because the fibromyalgia from the sinus infection is causing you to be basically perpetually sleep deprived and perpetually just foggy. You can't think clearly. Basically, I had to, that low point, I realized the RSO wasn't going to cure me. The doctors weren't going to cure me. Everything I was trying wasn't going to cure me. I had to re do everything opposite from what I was going was my instincts were telling me to do. So it was tired. Well, that meant I need to actually be get up, be active, even if it hurt, even if I would, had a migraine from going outside and force myself to get sunlight. Um, small little changes like that over months produced enough a crack in these symptoms that I was able to get leverage on them. Meanwhile, while I'm doing this to keep my spirits up, I'm you know, my since my technology career has been fading from the RSI hand stuff, I've been working on coffee and extracts. And I got into coffee because it helped, you know, just you know, something to look forward to in the morning. And I got into cold brew coffee. And then I got, just as a, a challenge, I got into cold brew espresso, which is I think I'm the only one who's ever made this. And if you're not familiar with fibromyalgia, fibromyalgia is basically constant uh, poisoning 
and your brain feels like muck. You wake up and you're just as tired as you were, if not more tired than you went to bed at. When I took a shot of this cold brew espresso, this is I'm already on cannabis. It added a crack in that. I was alert for an hour like I hadn't been in months. And that gave me perspective to see problems more clearly than it had ever before. And in that process, I realized that, that would also work for the cannabis. And that cold brew espresso I tried with some um, trim that I'd gotten from a friend who's a grower who was sympathetic to my cause, who's also a fibromyalgia sufferer. And I brewed that cannabis with alcohol, similar to an RSO extract, but in a cold brew cannabis, which extracts all the, the uh, cannabinoids. And I found applying that topically, it instantly cut the spasms in my neck that were on both sides of my neck acting like a stranglehold. So now I have two leverage points on my symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to breathe. I'm able to think clearly. I tried it with, and another reason I was, I'm still working on this extraction stuff, I tried that same approach with vanilla and amazed, make this the most amazing vanilla as well, which is also a special strength. And then I think, well, maybe I should try some other spices, see what else, you know, what else can I do with this stuff? And I got into lavender next, which pairs wonderfully with this cold brew coffee that I make. And they were starting to do some research on lavender and spices in general. And these are some of our oldest antibiotics and antifungals. There's a reason why they're included in recipes. They go back to us at the very beginning, and they're our first line of defense against these things. And we largely have... Um, the stuff we get from the stores, like pencil shavings, it's it's relatively stale and oxidized. And getting back into that fresh, whole-spectrum stuff, your body knows its food. It knows it's good. And every time you find another one of these clues, like I was just took some of the, t- the topical uh, lavender extract and switched around with a, with a uh, like a mouth gargle and I noticed an instant change in effect so the stealth infection which you couldn't see was being cleared out temporarily from that lavender effect and that got me into delving deeper into the sinus cavities and that really hurt because it opened sores this stuff is actually cut through your tissues and is accessing your bloodstream which is why it's so devastating to your mental and your physical health and then by adding the cannabis, extract i was able to overcome some of the pain because it's like pouring battery acid on some of this on these wounds and the reactions are either your sinuses close up and you can't breathe and you're back into that hell of not being able to breathe and your body freaks out because you can't breathe or your histamine reactions um are alone like your body inflates <laughs> like it's like a, it's like a putting a if you had cthulhu in your head your entire sinuses swell up and it causes pressure everywhere and it, it just really really sucks so cannabis was able to help me both probe into that pain find that tolerance because the there's this threshold between your infections of having a minimal viable threshold like if i just take a, a glass of water with one drip of iodine it doesn't do anything if i take iodine straight it kills stuff but it is too much. So somewhere in between that is the optimal dose. And the closer you get to the strongest, the faster you can kill the infection. And that's where pain relief from like cannabis can come in handy, both orally and topically to help you get through that narrow channel where it's really, really intense, but it's really, really effective. Troy, for your sinus infection, did you ever do oil pulling? Have you heard of oil pulling? Yeah, I tried that. The problem is that that if you're dealing with an inner ear infection or the deep sinuses, nothing reaches it. Even flooding it with like colloidal silver and xylitol and syringes don't reach the, the cavities. And that gets back to the original thing I was talking about with biofilms. Biofilms are a living organism living inside of you, on you. They have anchors into your tissue. 
they're embedded into your skin. They break through the barriers of I mean, your natural tissue in the way that because of our diets, we've strip-lined our food. We don't have sulfur. We don't have a lot of the silica that's responsible for healthy teeth and nails. So our tissue is more pliable. It's like soft sand. They can get their fingers into it, and they're stuck there. And then they carry umbrellas around. So when you either it's oil or it's you know whatever topical you want, it just runs on the top of it. Um, you know, you know what? It, what I like about your story is that you are one of the few people that I've met who likes experimenting on themselves. And I've been doing that for years, and people think I'm crazy. But what the hell? I mean, I'm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm healthy. I take sulfur every day, twice a day, morning and evening. I do oil pulling. Uh, I had sinus problem for years, and uh, it takes months for it to clear your sinuses, but it's worked for me. And uh, microdosing cannabis works, and I take uh, you know between fifteen and twenty grams of vitamin C a day, and uh, that's that works. But I have people who are younger than me who have arthritis; they have all sorts of ailments. Corey and I have talked to people who uh, we've we've encouraged them to take cannabis, but uh, they want to know. They want to go to their doctor first. They want to get yeah. the approval from their doctor, right, Corey? And you think, All oh, my God, you're heading down the wrong road. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> yeah, it is. What was your mental state going through all of this? Um, well, there was times it was pretty you know, difficult. I mean, you say when you have no fallback options, when you've blown through, I mean, especially when you, like, you add in location difficulties and financial difficulties and job difficulties and your family is drowning in their own issues and your friends are all drowning in their own issues and the medical system isn't helping you. Like the internet isn't helping you. You start like feeling like you're the only person <laughs> yeah. on the world. Like, and, like and it's also sort of like a sense of disbelief because you know, I think like I have this fancy phone. I'm talking on an iPad. I live in Los Angeles. People have self-driving cars coming. Like, how is it that I'm being taken down by something so simple as a sinus infection and a neck injury? And it's more disgusting too because a lot of the people are treadmill providers. They just provide you a treadmill to run, and they charge admission for running on that treadmill. That's the pills, the procedures, and every doctor, whether it's Western or Eastern, did that. That's the dark part. The bright side is that we have more information than we've ever had. Like through shows like you guys and the access of cannabis, we have tools and techniques. So it may be that we've never had, nobody's ever had the exact issue that you have. It's not somebody's like trying to withhold the secret from you. Mm-hmm. You're the first one there. So mm-hmm. yeah. it sucks to be you, but you have that potential of like we have so much information that things that are living can be killed. Your body is knowable. We have techniques that have been tried and handed down. You just need to try things out and figure out what works for you. And that is the process of, um, I think, it's equally as valuable as the pain. It's is the greatest teacher I've ever had. It's helped me understand I'm capable of way more than I ever knew that I could be possible. I mean, thought was possible. And even at the worst of the time, sometimes just knowing how to take another breath, as simple as that, get up and eat one more meal go to sleep one more day and things get better. It may not be 100% better. There's no pill that will turn you into a younger person overnight, and there's no pill that will ever turn you young perpetually. But you can live a high-quality life regardless of even being ill. I've had some of the happiest, most blissful times, even in the middle of physical duress, just by learning to be mindful and be grateful for stuff that I have. Being able to breathe, being able to eat 
when you haven't been able to breathe or eat before is a huge like unthinkable <laughs> you don't have to like i can actually think that level i can actually sleep these sort of fundamentals that we don't we take for granted when we're uh, he- healthy and we, we lose track of when we start getting sick and we fight desperately and all these things are necessary for us to heal we need to sleep we need to eat we need to rest and the more we can access those things and they're accessible at any point in time through like mindfulness meditation and the proper use of cannabis and cannabis can be used as an escapist drug or an enlightenment drug depending on your dose and how you're doing it and that is a choice you have to make and there are times when you need to escape if you're you know completely broken it's okay sometimes we escape you depressed but there's other times you really need to push through it and get the work done you need to get done do you know what we find in life uh, the most exciting wonderful things in life aren't necessarily found outside of us they're found inside of us totally the discoveries that we make about ourselves and we've interviewed some incredible people on this program who have had some very, very serious ailments, Corey being one of them, who have just gone in, into themselves and uh, discovered cannabis, and they've essentially cured, cleared, corrected, whatever you wanted, however you want to describe it, their ailments, and it's changed them as a human being. And it's done that for Corey. Yeah, it's totally changed my life. Yeah. Changed your life, and it's changed you, Troy. Yeah, and also, like, you know, I think, you, Corey, you were saying that you've, you've helped a thousand people or so, and how many people your program reaches. Every one of those people has is a, a father, a, a mother, a sister, a daughter, a brother, and that fabric of life is what you're repairing, because every life that we lose cannot be replaced. And the damage that's caused once we lose one of those fabrics can trickle out through time. Mm-hmm. So it's the impacts that we have through these small decisions of staying alive and helping other people that have immense impacts in our world. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Troy, how much cannabis do you take on a daily basis? So my protocol is pretty advanced. Um, I understand the difference between THC, CBN, and CBD. I use microdosing. Um, I understand interactions with things like sweet calamus, um, citrus oils, uh, lavender for modulating the mood. I use a DMSO-based uh, distillate, which I make now, which is uh, potentially one of the first products I'll turn out of this. In uh, uh, Strategically, like the neck issue is still there. And I use that, like your neck is almost like a roll cage. And if you paint the pain like a roll cage, I can stop the spasm in its tracks. And when the neck is spasming from both ends, it never heals. It's basically in a perpetual overload situation. So by taking it down, that allows me to get other stuff done, like working on body work, like reducing the adhesions, removing scar tissue. And over time, it gets better. So topically, I'm applying it that way. And then once a week, I do uh, a full body topical massage after an Epsom salt bath, which I usually is also the day I fast. Um, and do like a, a water, salt water cleanse, which is just a day of kind of resetting the system and just being more in the spiritual mindset of being grateful for what you have. Even if everything else is going to hell, you can still have reasons to be thankful. And normally, I say the microdosing stuff, I don't even know the actual dose. But during the mornings, I'm doing more THC and an alcohol based. During the evenings, I'm doing more CBN heavy and an oil based because it is more heavy hitting. And I find the, uh, the CBN is really important for me because I, it's so easy to get caught up in the stress of life that you can't turn yourself off. Having that an hour before bed, 
Plus, uh, I have a, a really cheap $50 massager I got off of Amazon, which is really great for body work. Um, that, in an hour, completely takes your body from the, uh, the stress fight or flight syndrome switch to the more like rest and repair mode and i'm able to get to sleep and sleep generally restfully and that's my protocol typically tell me who troy gardner is today compared to troy gardner 10 years ago um almost 100 percent opposite uh basically during the transformation process it was like a spiritual transformative event you know everything that I was a technologist. I believed in the power of technology. I believed in the world to be a better place. I believed in the goodness of people. And now I am still in the... I don't think all people are as good as they much they like to believe and the technology doesn't solve as many problems as it sometimes creates. It's not that technology as a whole isn't helpful. It's just the percentage of time is being used for egoistic pursuits that is tearing apart the world. I've watched over time my friends get more and more distant even though our technology is getting us closer. Like, we're having this real-time conversation just like we were in the same place. This is, which represents a relatively small percentage of the interactions I have with online and in my own family and in my own friends. Um, I'm excited about the future, and I'm excited about the, you know, the potential of humans of solving some of these problems and the, the wide reach of cannabis and bringing sanity to the industry. And my goal, like, um, I didn't really talk about this chapter of cannabis, but after I did the, the cold brew espresso extraction uh thinking about it architecturally since i'm an architect by trade what is it we're trying to accomplish we have this plant we have this body what is it that is inside the plant that needs to be in the body and what's the minimal path to to get the right stuff in there there's a lot of stigma attached to cannabis usage that doesn't need to be there we already have bioactive things in the form of cannabis i mean uh, coffee and alcohol we're not we already are accepting of, like, you go to the store, you buy milk. A, a cow is much more complicated than a plant is. And the factories that produce cream are immensely more complicated than it does to make cannabis extracts. That's a, actually very good. I've never heard that description before. <laughs> no, but I want to remember it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, sp- I spent a tour trying to make some difference in this industry, and this is a longer tour. You said you wanted to keep it short, so I don't, I don't want to take up too much. No, time. that's okay. Yeah, no, we can go as long as we want. No, I, I, think- I tried to turn some of this information into a product with people, and the cannabis industry is so corrupt on so many different levels. Um, I'm so disgusted with it, and like because people are preying on pain. And we have when you have organized crime fighting big pharma and big alcohol, that's your choices. It's two evils. There's no right answer. It's a plant. It's been with us. It's one of our first agricultural products we've ever had as a species. It's probably responsible for how we became a society rather than this small group of 150 people in a tribe. It's been a part of our medical and spiritual practices for ages and ages and ages. As a plant, it doesn't need anything to grow other than sunlight and good soil. And we've been moving it into these cubicle farms with artificial light, artificial air, uh, hydroponic systems, basically strip mining it and turning it into a slave so we can grow it faster, cheaper without respecting the harmony of the plant that nature provided with us for, this has been with us for thousands of years as a tomato and a plant. I mean, both a a hothouse tomato and a cannabis plant have almost identical, I mean, I say they have comparable needs as far as pest management, fertilizer and lighting and water requirements. Cannabis could cost as much as a hothouse tomato. We make ketchup packets which sit out in the open for free. You go to any sort of like uh, hamburger stand, they, you know, ketchup is in a pump dispenser. They're not charging you per pump. 
You're not being tracked per milliliter of this stuff. That's where cannabis needs to be. But we have so many people trying to profiteer off the plant. Like here in, in California, if you were to buy from a grower, it costs between $60 and $120 per pound for average to higher grade trim. That's a lot more than it costs per pound of tomatoes, which may cost maybe 6 to $8 per pound. And the legislation is adding $500 on top of that. The new legislation in California is adding $500 on top of it. So that shows you the level of distortion. What could cost $6 is now up to $600. That is something that we all have to bear. And you know, we talk about with patients who are already in a difficult position facing financial strife, work strife, health strife, familial strife. Because typically, if you're getting older, it's not just you. It's your your sibling, your wife is having issues, your husband's having issues, your parents are, are in convalescent homes. It ha- happens all at once and hits you the hardest when you can least afford it. We have the technology now to turn cannabis into something in the equivalent of a, of a ketchup packet. And I already have that working in my, my local lab, which is long-term I'm trying to get this out there, where it hits within a couple seconds. I can take it and put it in a pocket. I have it on my keychain. So when I'm out watching a movie, and I, for example, I'm watching a movie, I always make a tradition of having fun Fridays, where regardless of how crappy my life is and how bad the finances are, I do something fun. And one of the things I like to do is just go out, watch a movie in the theater, usually, hopefully with a friend. And if I have a muscle spasm in the neck and I have a choice between getting up and missing part of the show and then trying to medicate well, with a vape pen, it's just difficult. Like, where do you do that in a movie theater? Insanely. With a keychain dispenser, which is a spray pump with this active stuff, I can just spray it on my neck. Within a couple seconds, the spasm quells. I can take it orally as well if I'm having, if I want to like boost the effects of like the CBN version. I just want to be couch locked for two hours while I'm going through this long epic of Lord of the Rings latest thing or whatever Marvel is. I have control over my pain, so it doesn't necessarily completely decimate my normal life i have opportunities to still be and feel normal even though i know i'm a chronic pain patient and i'm not done with my therapy that is what i want long term for people to have because chronic pain is inevitable but you know the control it has you don't have to be stuck in this dark pit of hell in your room with a migraine (laughs) unable to eat as i was and say if it's that small of a difference of like if it's you know something as simple as you know distilling it next i mean extracting it and putting in a format that people don't feel ashamed to have it with them and taking it when they need it we don't think anything about putting a breath mint in our mouth typically we don't think anything about drinking water or alcohol or coffee when we get to that parody a lot of the stigma and a lot of the concerns that we have people have so much ignorance about it Yet they have so much other ignorance. Like coffee is a thousand different compounds. People don't know what's inside of coffee. They just drink it because of the caffeine, or they think they drink it because of the caffeine, mm-hmm. even though it's a thousand other things that work with it. And just like in cannabis, the the entourage effect modulate the active ingredient and make. What, I mean, like if you go to a, a, a typical cafe and you take a typical ca- uh, poorly grown cannabis, you're actually drinking poison, or you're eating it poison. It's making things worse. You're strip mining yourself. This is a small rant. <laughs> One segment of the, of the cannabis segment is going for hyper-isolates. Hyper so we're taking this plant, we're breeding it to the point where it has so much THC in it that it, it is completely out of balance with all the other thousand of the compounds that are inside the plant, which are all medically active. It's like a key. Instead of trying to use a key which has all those times in it to unlock the natural part of your body's endocannabinoid system, we're trying to pick the lock with a toothpick. 
and we just keep on getting a bigger and bigger toothpick to and adding more and more force to it. And then you add on top of that, well, once you have, you make that decision, you start getting into indoor grows that are fed with chemicals and fertilizers and pesticides that grow unhealthy plants. And the unhealthy plants, just like the sinus infection, grow mold and they're susceptible to pests. So then you add more chemical pesticides and that gets embedded onto the, the actual plant itself. You can't just purge that. You can't remove it. Then you're going to extract it through something like BHO, which is a concentrate. And that is, again, all in pursuit of this reductionistic hammer. How can we get more THC out of this plant and throw away? Who cares what we're throwing away? Who cares what we're doing to the plant? Who cares what we're doing to the environment? Who cares what you're doing to your body? I just want to have that THC for the higher high. We take that isolate. We, in order, since we're using a high, a, a petro-based chemical, B, I mean butane, to extract these active compounds, and then we vacuum purge it, we're stripping away all the good stuff, all the stuff that makes it a, a nutrient rather than a, just a, a chemically active substance. We get this isolate, which has been purified, meaning it's it's devoid of all the good stuff. I mean, all the stuff that makes it a neutral, I mean, a natural substance. And then we have to use something as complicated as a, like a dab rig or some electric device to get that higher high. You can't take a BHO, I mean, a, a, a dab rig to you with, in a theater. You can't dose that while you're watching the movie. And that's where part of this industry is having, and that's cling through the recreational space and, you know, and some people are rec users this is the only option they have and I'm completely understanding of that use but it trickles down and it, it affects everybody else who who go to the doctor who have a medically treatable disease like um, my backstory is actually darker than this I've lost two mothers since uh, that might have been prevented from cannabis one had a brain tumor and the other one had a deep vein thrombosis from cigarette usage from a high degree of anxiety if either of them had access to the cannabis knowledge that I have, they might be with me today. And they don't think they would have because of the stigma attached to it. Because that point in time, it was mostly stoner culture. And now we have the, the dab head culture ruining it for everybody. <laughs> to me, like they're creating this artificial uh, expectation of what cannabis could be, where nobody questions aspirin's utility. Nobody questions alcohol's utility. Nobody questions coffee's utility. Cannabis needs to be in that place where it's just part of the environment. Nobody thinks about it. It's just there. I totally agree with you. It was a pleasure to talk to you, and it's good that you're on the road to recovery. And anything <laughs> anything you want to add in conclusion? Um, stay curious. Anybody who has pain, you know, sometimes it feels like you're really, really without hope. Yeah. And if you just stay curious and play with it, try to understand the pain is there to protect you. It's trying to tell you you can't go this way. Just look through it. Like sometimes that the, the blind spot, right in the middle of that blind spot, is the door out of it. And the more you do that, the more you find the way out. Troy, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, Troy. Okay. Bye. And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.